0: both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Hewitt-Mills.
1: I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, and he will show you things to come. During your quiet time, you sit and learn at the feet of the greatest teacher, Jesus left us, and that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you many things and show you many wonderful revelations in the Word. During your quiet time, you increase in your personal knowledge of the Scriptures. Peter said, "Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. During your quiet time, you experience the presence of God." Psalm 16 verse 11, "Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. but we don't think that when we come into His presence, we will really find joy, not only joy, but fullness of joy. Moses had quiet times with God. We will not be able to read it, but in Exodus, we will not be able to turn your Bibles, but in Exodus 34, 1 to 10, the Lord said unto Moses, and be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount, and no man shall come up with thee. Neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount; Neither let the flock nor head feed before that mount. So when God was calling Moses up, He said, don't let even an animal be around. And let no man be with you. It's only just the two of us. And so you must allow that to happen. Amen. So follow the great men who had quiet times. God commanded Joshua. To have a daily quiet time, which is what I quoted. Adam had quiet time until he backslid. The Bible says the Lord always came in the cool of the day to fellowship with them. The prophet Micaiah knew the habit of quiet time. In 1 Kings 22, 24 to 25, he said, Which way went the prophet? Another man said to him, Which way went the spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see in that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Jesus had quiet times too. Mark one thirty-five. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. He didn't go into a place where there were people. He didn't go into a place where there were babies. He went into a solitary place. And there he prayed. David had quiet times. He said, O oh God, thou art my God. Psalm 63, verse 1 and 6. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Amen. So how do you have an effective quiet time? Develop a strategy. Develop a strategy for a success, success su- successful. Quiet time. Set a regular time when you meet God. Life is such that important things are often overlooked. If you do not schedule a constant period for a quiet time, you will leave it out. The best time for quiet time is first thing in the morning. Now, I say it's the best time. It doesn't mean it's the only time. Sometimes when I have had little children, I have realized that the best time it's after they've gone to bed. Sometimes after they've gone to bed, if it's not a church day, you know, they go to bed if they're going to school, let's say 8, 8.30. I realize that by nine o'clock, I can be all right, you know, and maybe I can have a quiet time from nine to 10. There are times when I just wake up, 2 a.m., I realize that I'm not feeling sleepy. So I have a little chair that I go to, and I just talk to God from there. Sometimes it's one hour, sometimes it's two hours, sometimes it's three hours. But I may not have a set time every morning, but I just want to have a set time that I have to have it in mind that I have to meet God somewhere, you know. So you have to have a set time, but it may not be every morning. Look in your life and see what is an achievable goal, a realistic goal for you, and set it. You are not doing it because God will be angry with you, but you are doing it because you need him. And you need to talk. Are there not times when things are piling up so much? You need to talk to God. You know, and I have realized that sometimes I cannot have a straight hour, that I can have 30 minutes, and then another 30 minutes another time. I just have to be disciplined. You know, but if you're always waiting for a perfect time, you will never have your quiet time as a woman. And there are times you have to lock the door. There are times you are tired, you lock the door. When your children are knocking, you don't open. There are times you are doing other things, you don't open. Why can you not do that for quiet time, you know, and not feel guilty? God said to Moses, be ready in the morning. The morning is the ideal time. But when we look at our lives, it may not be the real time for us. Strategy number two, withdraw from the presence of other people. A quiet time is not a prayer meeting involving all the members of your household. A quiet time is not another church service or fellowship meeting. It is an intimate time between you and your God. It is a private moment that you must cherish. If you don't hold it dear, you will not do it. You will notice that Moses could not have his quiet time in the presence of others. A quiet time is a time when you are alone with God. You cannot develop a personal relationship with someone unless you are alone with the person. It must be possible to withdraw yourself from the company of others so that you can be alone with God. If you can afford it, you must create for yourself a private place in your home where you go to pray and meet with god sometimes depending on the space you have your toilet may even be the quiet and private place for you the last strategy create an atmosphere that is conducive for fellowship with god you can do this by playing good worship music in the background if you do not have any such music you can worship the lord yourself as you worship the lord the presence of the lord will fill your room God inhabits praises. There's an atmosphere in which God's presence thrives. I find it easier to pray when I'm playing worship music or preaching tapes. That's special. There's no need to struggle in an icy and hardened atmosphere. Put on some music and worship the Lord. Sometimes I realize that even music in in and around the home changes the atmosphere. A tape in and around the home changes the atmosphere. So often I have a sound system in my kitchen so that even if I'm cooking a tape is I may not sit down and listen to everything, but by all means something will drop. And sometimes even if it's worship music, you are just filled with worship, you begin to worship. If you are changing diapers, try to create a spiritual atmosphere in your home. It will help you to be stable emotionally and also to keep calm. Now for a pastor's wife, I find that many times when your husband is praying, you are not supposed to disturb him. But when you are praying, message. They come with all their needs. Mommy, have you seen myself? Mommy, did Mr. Uzu say he was coming? You wondered at us. But as I'm praying, are my prayers not important? That they are disturbing me like that. But they see you as a wife. Like I was saying yesterday. And it is not an easy thing. One. one lady pastor called me, international call. Sister Mami, I'm very angry this morning. I said, why? She said, you know, on Sundays, I go and preach in another branch. And my husband goes to another branch. I said, I know that. Every time when he's preparing, I leave him. When I am preparing, that is when he wants to come and commit love. So Sister Mami, what should I do? I said, Sister, as you are reading the Bible, you become more attractive. So if it comes, just figure it out that it will be only 15 minutes. <laughs> because as you are saying, it always brings tension. It always brings a fight. You don't have the flow to preach. So just take it that God knows that this is the turning of yes <laughs> And just flow. After 15 minutes, it's all over. You close the door, you continue. The Lord will hear you. <laughs> Because sometimes you realize that the time you spend arguing is longer than if you had just flowed. And when you argue, afterwards, there's no peace, there's tension in the house. So sometimes you have the lesser of two evils, so choose the lesser one. And then she called me again, it's working wonders, it's happening live. (laughs) So we thought a woman's life is so different. And I think that God is a just judge. You will not just get up and say your husband was pretty all the time. He was it, but you when you have to just pray a little. You just God knows all the circumstances. Sorry, and the complexities of your life. When I'm going to have daughter, I can make it in a Nothing changes. If I have to see to the children, they are clothes. You know, because the girl she can put on anything. You know, she can combine anything. Wow, combination. But <laughs> sometimes what the child just wore. You not like a child doesn't have variety. They just want to repeat be it because that's what has come out in the worship. You know, or maybe the child has to, have to say, don't do this. Okay, take this. Clothes. This is what the child is going Oh No, my boy. Then my boys will come and ask me because they go, they go to church earlier. If the child coming for us, are we going on our own? Can we join this friend? Is it all that I'm praying to Graham? that Sunday morning. Then, those are the days my husband enjoys drinking tea. Usually when he's preaching on Sundays, he leaves very early. But when he's not preaching, he begins to drink tea. And then when I'm saying, where's my Bible? Where's my clothes? Ah, calm down, small preacher. Small preacher, that you are going to preach, you are so whatever. And then I have to say, okay, this afternoon, remember, take out the stew. We are eating this. Eh, steam the meat for me. When I come back, you do this, do that. And then, then sometimes the daughter people too are calling me. So the brochures, did you say you might? Man, I can't believe it. Nothing changes. Your life is the same, whether you are going to preach or not. Sometimes it's a weekday, you no know, daughter. Sometimes they start a week. Then my children and my husband will be asking me, So this evening, when we come back, what will we eat? I'm like, Hey, how can you be like that? I said, Don't ask this question now. Do you understand? And Daniela too will now be coming in. I need a comb. I, I mean, a woman's life is different. Whenever I have to go outside, since I had Paula, there are times I go and book the ticket, I don't have Paula. Then my husband will say, why? Who are you leaving Paula You must take Paula. You know? I would love to take Paula. But when I'm moving from here to here, it's not easy. So then the is not coming. You have to take Paula. Who are you leaving Paula for? That? So every time I take Paula, wherever I'm going. But this year I'm praying that before the year, I don't... Have but your life is such that if you look at the things you have to do, you will never tap into what gives you your strength, what gives you your sanity, what gives you your emotional stability. You will leave that. And go and pursue other things. That's why Timothy says that fight the good fight of faith. Because faith is a fight. You don't just, you're not just there and then it happens. No way. It's not like that. So you have to fight. Amen. Seven steps to an effective quiet time. And if you get the opportunity to buy this book by Bishop, buy it. It's powerful. Step one, pray to begin your quiet time. It is time to give the Lord praise and worship for his goodness. Pray, thanking the Lord for another day. Thank him for who he is, what he has done, and what he can and will do. And then ask God to speak to you. Step number two, read a passage from the Bible. Expecting God to speak to you. Read the passage for the day. Expecting God to speak to you from it. There are several ways of choosing your daily Bible reading passage. How to choose your daily Bible reading passage? Number one, choose a book of the Bible from which you read a few verses every day. You must always remember where you ended so you can continue from the same place on the next day. In the New Testament, You can have some wonderful quiet times. You can read through the books of Luke and Ephesians. You can read through the book of John. In the Old Testament, you can read through Genesis, 1st and 2nd Samuel. Or you can choose a personality from the Bible whose life story you want to study. A few verses from passages about Moses may give you much revelation for your life. You must always remember where you end your reading so that you can start the next day from that point. Or you can take the passage suggested in your daily reading guide, quiet time books. In that one, we have daily devotionals The Bishop has read to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, okay, and all the rest. So when you don't know which book to read, it's better to have the guide so that you use that. Step number three, meditate, that is, think through and soberly reflect on what you have read. If you do not think about what you are reading, you will lose a major blessing of the Word of God. Paul, Timoth- Paul told Timothy to think about the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2 verse 7, Consider what I say, and the Lord give you understanding in all things. Read the passage slowly. Do not read a very long passage unless it is necessary. Stop at any verse that strikes you and think about it. Think about the meaning of the words you are reading. Think about how the scripture applies to your life, to life in your generation. Whisper to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand your words. Give me wisdom and revelation. And then decide on a practical way to implement the scriptures you have read. Sometimes you have a daily quiet time book, but you may be facing a certain challenge that what you are reading may not be what you need to minister to you. Maybe you have faced a challenge, that your quiet time is about Moses building the temple according to a pattern God gave him. That may be for ministry. But you really need something to encourage you. So you need to look through your Bible and find something to encourage you. And then meditation is saying the verse over and over again to yourself. There's a verse in Romans that says, let God be true, and every man a liar. I think you might see one or two. You don't just read it, but you meditate on it. You say it over and over again to yourself. It becomes a confession as well as a meditation. You will say to yourself, let God be true, and every man a liar. Let God, the creator of the universe, the God Almighty, the God who is in charge of everything, let him be true. Then you'll be thinking about it. The word let means permit. Allow God to be true. Let God be true. How can I allow God to be true? By thinking about it. By having faith that he's true. By uh, preferring his knowledge and making it superior to what I think and what I see. Let God be true. And every man, every man includes myself. It includes what I'm experiencing. It includes what I'm seeing. It includes what I think. Let every man be a liar. So for this morning, my feelings are liars. My thoughts are liars. My circumstances are lies. Every man is a liar, but God is true. Immediately, it has stuck. And you use it as that situation comes up. You know, sometimes you meditate and then something comes up. You remember, ah, this painful today. Let God be true and every man a liar. And sometimes, often, you even have to speak it. Because when Jesus was tempted, he spoke to the devil. It is written. So you know, you say to say that. It is written. Let God be true. And every man a liar. These things that these people are saying about me. What my husband told me this morning, I'm going to let God be true. Every man, including my husband, is a liar for now. Hallelujah. Because sometimes people are correcting you. People say it all the time. He's always saying, I always do this. I am like this. And then we soak it in. I'm always like this. And I said, no. That's not what God sees. That's not what God sees. God says that he rejoices over me with singing. He said, Before I was a clot of blood in my mother's womb, he knew me and he called me and he ordained me. So you may not see me as what God sees me, but let God be true and every man a liar. But we don't take time for that. We are in a hurry. So we just read, Let God be true, every man a liar. Thank you, Jesus. So we go and sit in our car. It doesn't benefit us. But the secret of Joshua was in the meditation of the word, not just the reading. Even the Bible says, when you read these things, blessed are you. And then when you do them, blessed are you. But between the reading and the doing, there's confession. And I realize that confession is a powerful And it helps you. So that you are fighting a disease, sickness, something that is impossible. Then you remember, Luke 1:37. What is impossible with men is possible with God. So you know the situation, I look at it. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so you begin to confess. Him. When you look at 1 Peter 2, 21, it says, who being reviled, reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself. That is instruction, guiding you, guidance, you know. Committed himself to him who judges righteousness. When you read that thing, and then something comes, why don't you call and insult others? You know what? committed himself to him who judges righteous. When you feel like going to fight your own battle, then you remember, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. So you know what? I am not the paymaster. The Lord will repay. But if you don't meditate on the word, you will be led by other things. You will generally be led by other things. When things seem to be... that, people come for counsel and when I look at their situation, I don't see how help will come out of it. It's a false <laughs> crime. Some people come and say, Mary Pastor, I've been married for this long. I mean, Godly people. My husband says he's divorced me. I've begged him. I've done all that I can do. He still says he's going. What do you think I should do? I think you can't stop him from going. But once I asked my mother, so what does the person do in this situation? She said, sometimes, Often when a man says he's going and you beg him and do all that you can say and do, and he still says he's going, it means his mind is made up. Either he has seen somebody, he's being deceived, whatever. So you have to let him go. You don't push him through the door, but he says he's going. He has practiced, he's going. So she said that. Sometimes he himself you go on and you go and hit his head against the wall, boom, and you come back. Sometimes he goes and he doesn't know how to come back, so he never comes back. So you have to open yourself up for any possibilities. You know, so, when people come for counsel and it's like that. I said, well, God gave us our free will. Much as we don't believe in divorce, there's nothing we can do. You want to do what is right. The other party doesn't want. You cannot force him to do what is right. But you can pray. You pray. He says he's still going. All that you can do is to walk in love towards him and leave him to decide. But if a man has decided, if he goes out, you know what he's doing, you cannot tell. You know, you can't be a personal angel, guardian angel over him you leave them and you just pray and believe them. The children look at the number of years of marriage look at what I've put in look at how I followed him. look at how I gave up my profession, look at as a woman my heart is broken and I also feel very hurt it's like how can you bring somebody to the point like that and they just say you are walking out and then I remember the Bible I said, I'll give you beauty for tell her, you know Divorce is not the end of the world. It is painful, it is traumatic, but I know that God will bring you through. It's not the end of the world. He may will come. So let's believe God. It is just that he wants you to give him the ashes so that he can live you beauty, you know? But giving up the ashes is not easy. And then later, when I come, he come me, healed. And some of them say to me, I look, I said, this foolish boy is a day I was, And they say, Healing does come, and then they come and give testimony. And sometimes I say to them, "You know what? I'm having a meeting. Come, let speak to the woman because you are a living testimony. When you say they will be able to." Say. And the person goes through all the stages: how she felt rejected, how she felt betrayed, how she cried, how this, how that, the stages of grief, and how God brought her through. You know. So I've come to see that nothing is overspoken in the sight of God. When I remember the story of Lazarus. I often wonder why God doesn't come on time. Why he waits. The person is dead, granted. But after the death, why do you wait for this? You are just here. You can walk and come. And when you come to you, Jesus, you're also weeping. What does it mean? Well, you could have done something about it. You could have raised him easier from the bed at home. Than to let us embalm him, put bandages on him, take him into that place, and then you come and roll a stone and say that, come forth. But I don't understand God. There are many things that my sheep go through, I don't understand it. There are many people I see, are faithful people who love God, I don't understand why they go through what they go through. But I always know that in the end, He brings them through. You see, there's a book I read some years ago, I still have it in my car now. It's called The Only Way Out Is Through." It's about a pastor's wife. I used to watch them in America on television when I was a student. And They had a big ministry, thriving. The woman would speak, her husband would speak. It was very good. There were some financial problems, because of some TV program. It all affected them. Then, after 25 years, the husband said, I'm divorcing. She said, oh, wow. You must be scared. How oh, can you just get up then? She didn't believe it. But although they had been having rough patches in their minds, so one day she woke up and she went to church. My husband had told her, I'll announce it today. She didn't believe it. So she went to church with her children. She was sitting in the pew. When, when she arrived, a lady pastor was preaching. So after the lady pastor preached, my husband mounted the pulpit and said, Church, I have something very serious to announce to you. I'm leaving Marty. She called Marty. Marty and I, we tried to work. That is not working. So we are leaving. We are breaking up. She said, the church was stone quiet. Somebody let out a chill from the bus, crying. Mother said, it's no use talking to me, I've made up my mind. That within six months, her husband was married to this lady pastor. She had been seeing the lady pastor preaching, but I don't know, somehow she didn't. She was very shocked. her Her husband's a man of God, he prays everything. So the church people, some of them came to say to her how sorry they were. Some of them, I think they know what to say, so they just went away, some of them. Then, she started to get legal papers, hey, the thing is going to court, this is happening. So before even the court procedure, they said, oh, I agree to it, if you don't agree, you lose this, this, this. So she agreed quickly, but still, they had to now do settlement of how the properties would be. She came to the church office to collect her things, her door had already been mailed, things had been packed out, it's like she doesn't belong. Then, her husband moved out of her house. The furniture that she had, she saw a church van. They are coming to him, said, oh, why? They said, it's all church property. They so moved everything and left a few things there. Hey, is this me? Then the church had a school, which was opposite the church. So when she sits there, she sees the office and all that, you know, so they took everything. And then they told her that she can be the head of the school if she likes. But even that there was some settlement? I forget the fact. But every time her office faced the church building, every time she would come to work, she would see her husband and the new wife packing their cars and going upstairs. You know, and people were saying, Sue for this. Let him pay for this. She realized that most of the things were church property. So she decided not to sue for it, but to sue for the general upkeep of her children. They had four children. They had already gone through a lot in the city. So when they divorced, they had a terrible crowd. So her children's grades started to fall. Her daughter was married. Her, her mind began to suffer out of fear. Everything was... Then, she decided not to sleep for the church things. So then her husband would call her. Um, how are you anyway? They started to her, they are bringing this, sign it. They are bringing this. This is how much we'll give you. Her car, she was left with an old rickety band. She had not known how to change oil and all these things. Now all the oil lights were flashing. The car would break down. She didn't know what to do. And then people would pass by and say, is that not Mrs. Tilton? Is that not the woman with you? Hey, you've come down from your glory, America. Because people resent pastors already. So she went to the shopping center and she set up a little, like a truck, but it's more beautiful than our trucks that you have in the middle of the shopping center. It she was selling teddy bears. And, and people would pass and say, ah, are you Mrs. Tilton? But she had to do that to get a little money. Well, as time went on, she would read sometimes about her husband. She was very heartbroken. She was so paralyzed with fear and grief. And she didn't know how she would recover. But she just started to read a few verses. Although now, her faith had been shaken. She didn't even believe anymore. But she said, God, I don't have the strength to believe. But let your word help me. Because I don't have the strength to believe. You know, With time, she combed around. She found another church office to work in as an administrator. But it still wasn't easy. Then she heard her, is it a year or so after, or 18 months after. The husband's second wife, she said she's leaving. Hey, somebody has sat by this for 25 years. You, you just came. 18 months, you say you are going. She said she was going and she's suing for half the assets of the church. Mercy. So the woman said in the book, I did not have strength. But when I heard that, I said, what the heck. So I put on my best suit and I went to the court. To contest what she was saying, so she went and she fought it out, and she got a large chance and she gave it back to the church. Then her husband started to call her, "I'm sorry, forgive me." And she wrote an article in Kaiso. She said, "My everything went out for me. My 25 years of ministry, my life, my everything went out. But I want to tell you that there's light at the end of the tunnel." And she says, the only way out of a messy situation is to go through it. That's the title of the book. The only way out is through. And she was so filled with bitterness and unforgiveness that one night, the Lord told her, write down all the things that are hurting you. Go to the church, dig out the floor and put it in. And release it. And that's what she did. She was saying in that article that now, she has forgiven her husband. He calls them, calls their children. But remarriage, party, It's not possible. She's not going back to remarry. and she has forgiven him. And this is the woman who sat him to ashes. Okay, even food they were hard up. Although they the, the husband was in the midst of plenty and the church lawyers, they were very hard on her. And she thought that because she and her husband had passed together, she would ask them for advice. They misled her greatly, you know. But in the end, she recovered. In the end, she came up clean. You know? So it was a long journey for some years. But eventually, we don't have to lose our sanity. We will be okay. <laughs> because God is on the throne. You will be okay. So it's not good to move with fear. What if? Just move by faith. And whatever you don't expect that comes, the Lord, he, He's expecting it already. He knows already. And He knows how to walk you through and make you succeed. And it's your daily quieter. You know when you takes drugs, He Take three times daily. If you don't take it that way, it is not efficacious, not effective. It doesn't work. And that's what God is telling us about his word. Quiet time. Take it daily. Like Joshua Joshua's. Because there are times when you will stand alone. There are times when there will be no shoulder to cry on. Like David, you must encourage yourself in the Lord your God. There are times when the people you love and are fighting for are the very people who turn around like David and say, let's stone him because we are losing something precious. As if David had not lost his wife and children They forgot about all that Because human emotions cannot be trusted So they were also sad The Bible said they were filled with grief And they thought of stoning David Grief makes you do the wrong thing so when they're filled with grief They said let's stone David As if stoning him would bring their children back But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God And then he asked God What should I do? God said pursue, overtake and recover all And he was able to do that on the instruction of God. And after that all the people came to him again and came together. You know, so there's recovery after every loss. There's no loss that there's no recovery for. But what happens is that we women we go around a bend. We are not able to recover because before we reach the time of recovery, we have gone to the mental hospital. Before we reach the time of recovery, we are so overcome with depression that we just can't find our feet. But the Lord has a way. And we have to believe, 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 believe that right? it is so. Believe. And the Lord will bring us through. The Bible says that just shall live by faith. Faith is a way of life. It wasn't something God just felt like right thing. It is a way of life. If you don't live by faith, eh, you go down because you'll live by everything that you see. And every day your graph will be like that. Your emotional yo-yo will be like that. But if you live by faith, even when you live in a difficult and hostile environment, you say, ah, I don't know why it's happening, but I know that in the end, God will be glorified. That's all. And it doesn't make you seek things from people who cannot give it to you. You see, we seek things in the wrong places because we don't find things in the right places. You know, but it shouldn't be so. And I believe that the Lord will honor our obedience. So let's just take a short break. we resume for the last session. Then, to be on our own. God bless.
0: We believe you have been blessed by this powerful teaching from the Lighthouse
1: Chapel International. For further inquiries, please write to Lighthouse Chapel International, P.O. Box KB 114, Kolebu, Accra, Ghana, or call 021-662055. That's 021-662055. God richly bless you.
0: great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900 You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips@gmail.com. at gmail.com We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.